are rolling back here in the mansion at 316 Gimmicks. Sorry. <laughs> I've been listening to podcasts <laughs> oh, all weekend. I've been listening to podcasts. I've been on the go. I apologize. Uh, hey, guess what? This is Dirty Mike. And this is The Big Ugly. And we're back here. We are in the mansion. This is true. Back in the mansion, man. It's, it's been a couple weeks. I feel like uh, it's been more than our every two weeks. I think so. I was um, away and... You were, you were holding things down here? I was, and uh, we've got some information about that, and we're going to come up with that. But this is the Dirty Ugly Wrestling Podcast. Um, we talk everything pro wrestling. We talk a lot of stuff. We're on SoundCloud. we got a lot of likes. we got a lot of followers. It's a lot and of I fun. I guarantee you we'll be guarantee. on YouTube with this podcast. YouTube with YouTube this podcast. YouTube starting with this one today. That's what I like to hear. But I thank you very much for putting that together, Big Ugly. This is good stuff. A lot of stuff going down in the world of pro wrestling, in the world of UFC, in the world of whatever. Um, so what we're going to be talking about a little bit about SummerSlam, a little bit about NXT TakeOver. We're going to talk about Monday Night Raw, SmackDown Live, NXT Cruiserweight Classic, we got TNA, Impact Wrestling still going, Lucha Underground Season 3 coming up. What are you thinking? How are you feeling? You excited about this podcast? I'm very excited. We got a lot to talk about. Man, can I just break off into a tangent real quick? You do. You always yeah, that's do. that's what so I do. Please do right that. Right at the beginning. Go ahead. So, um, have you, two things. Two things. Number one, let's talk a little bit of CM Punk. He's in the news a lot, right? That's true. Because fight is coming up. Have you been watching that documentary series they've been doing on I have it recorded on my DVR, but I haven't been watching it yet. Have you? Okay. I have not. I okay. just wanted to know how it was, how his training is looking. We're, we're going to find out because, yeah. of course, a lot of that is sensationalized for television as well. So, But I'm, I'm interested to watch it. It's, yeah. Some of it's actually on today. Uh, so, yeah, um, I'm excited to see that, that coming up at the next UFC uh, event. CM Punk is scheduled and slated to make his UFC debut in the ring. Uh, I should say the Octagon. Uh, so, uh, whenever you're listening to this podcast, that's either going to happen or has already happened. Um, that's going to be awesome, be I think. Um, my second thing. Second thing. Daniel Bryan. Yeah. Like, recently, he, he's been talking a lot of stuff, right? Like, Daniel talking Bryan's smack. been going serious, right? Yes. Talking smack. So, number one, my he, he criticized Miz and said that he feels like Miz wrestles in a cowardly way. Right. Do you think that was a shoot, man? Was that, was that him really criticizing Miz or because I mean Miz looked like he took it pretty hard so it, it kind of came out of nowhere I really enjoyed it that's part of the notes on here about the Smackdown live um but yeah they, they were doing this talking smack segment after uh, Smackdown was over and uh he just kind of Daniel Bryan just kind of got in he now him and the Miz have always been kind of back and forth because he was the NXT trainer of the Miz when the Miz came in 10 years ago or whatever it was. And now Miz is trying to get some legitimacy to SmackDown, legitimacy to the IC title. I think it's probably coming from a place of realness. You know what I mean? I think it's set, like semi-shoot. I'm sure that they've got it set up to say this is what we want. This is the kind of the idea we want to get across. But, I mean... Miz is getting way too into it. Like, he's taking it way too personally, and I think that's great. It's making the Miz stronger. It's making the IC title more important. Um, I think it's coming out of a place of real. Right, and, uh, you know, I think Miz is underrated um, as Very. far as the talent goes. Very. Um, you know, maybe he's not – you know what the Miz reminds me of? He reminds me of The Rock. He's somebody that great on the mic, very entertaining, probably not going to put on the most fantastic match that you'll see on the card, but it's still going to be – entertaining enough right and um and you know I, I wish they would they they need to utilize him more but i think that he's gonna show himself uh 
approved, so to speak, uh, pretty soon. Second thing here. Yes. Right. This is it. This is it. Tangent. We're getting to the show. Okay. So, Daniel Bryan also said that he feels like WWE style is soft, as in the entire, the way the WWE wrestles is soft. Now, certain wrestlers have taken kind of, you know, offense to this because they say, listen, you know, my MRI scans, you know, that's what Xbox said, uh, you know, don't show that, hey, what we were doing was soft. You know, but, I mean, how do you feel about that? Do you think that was right for him to say that, you know, his fellow wrestlers, you know, and everything is soft? And then if you think about Daniel Bryan himself, he's not wrestling anymore because of what he was doing in WWE. So I'm not really understanding where that's coming from. He's really not wrestling anymore because of what he was doing for the past 10 or 15 years in Ring of Honor and Independence and Japan and all these other places. And then when he came to the WWE, of course, when you come there, your style is changed a little bit you know to protect each other to protect yourself and we still get a lot of injuries and most of the injuries happen on things that are routine so talk about a soft style I don't know what Daniel Bryan's trying to accomplish by this Um, I don't know if he's trying to get people riled up I don't know if he's trying to get heat because Daniel Bryan's a face no matter what role he's in he's supposed to be a face Um, if you got 60 you know 16 17,000 people chanting yes 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 throwing their hands up in the air even when he's a general manager or commissioner or whatever he is um, I think you need that. So I don't know if he's coming from a place of just trying to stir up the boys, but I, so far as a soft style, Seth Rollins talked about this on the uh, Jericho podcast too. You know, they're going 260, 270 days out of the year plus more. And even in routine stuff, you got to run, you got to bump, you got to, you got to sell, you got to do all kinds of stuff. I mean, that's going to take a toll on your body, no matter what, if you're a high flying Lucha, this might be why the cruiserweight classic. He's been doing the commentary, and he's been running it with Mauro Ranallo. Yes, yeah. Um, so when you're watching that style, all high-flying, all fast-paced, all big strike, big bump, all that, then you watch the Raw and SmackDown, it's a little bit more tame as far as the actual physical product, but it's got to be. It's got to be a separation between that physical product. So that might be what it is. He might be trying to get the cruiserweights over more. He might be trying to push the cruiserweights, that style, um, or the style that he was accustomed to in Ring of Honor. Right. You know what I mean? So, but how do I feel about it? I feel like this is a really exciting time for wrestling. I think we're getting back to that time where there's a lot of different products. Even if it's all WWE, it's a lot of different products, a lot of different times to watch, a lot of different ways to watch. I'm excited. I love it. I mean, I think that the tension that he's just creating by these little remarks he's making making is great because even if, you know, it was semi-shoot with The Miz, it still brought out something great in The Miz. You it know did. what I mean? Um, in, a, in the era where kayfabe is dead, I think audiences and, and you know fans like to kind of see that passion come back into it. You know what I'm saying? That makes you think like, ooh, this is a little real. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, um, so you know, I think I think it's great, man. I gotta say one more thing. You, yeah, that's I'm all right. Pull, pull the Ben Ruffo on you, bro, <laughs> bro, <laughs> bro. Tell me. So, all right, Seth Rollins, right? You you brought him up. So I, I did. Have to ask. Okay, is he a danger in the ring, man? No. Absolutely not. And and listen to Jericho's podcast with him because I, I was thinking about this at the same time when I was listening to this. Um, so, okay, Seth Rollins, recently, he uh, was in a situation where John Cena's nose got broken off of his face, basically, and he's going to have to have follow-up surgery on that. Now, that was just... And he'll even admit, John Cena will even admit, he is not the most graceful person in the ring. Um, you know, and Seth Rollins is extremely athletic and graceful. Nothing against John Cena, but John Cena's a little bit of, 
you know, a little bit clumsy. And he'll even say when he's trying to go into a spot or make separation or whatever the case may be, he might not be as fluid as other guys. So when they were in that corner and they were trading strikes and trading knees, it was just Seth Rollins' knee, John Cena's face. That's one thing. Um, Seth Rollins, uh, Finn Balor. This is a, the, the thing we're going to talk about most recently. And Sting. Um, and Sting. So Sting has been going hard for 25, 30 years. Sting was at the end of his career. Um, you know, Sting hasn't been in full ring shape uh, for a couple of years now since coming out of TNA. And um, he had one big match at WrestleMania, one big match with Seth Rollins uh, on a pay-per-view. And Sting went down. And it was over something routine that Seth Rollins does every single day. Um, same thing when uh, Rollins uh, and Finn Balor, you know. You don't usually power, you power bomb somebody into the buckle and do the buckle bomb, but he did it to the outside where the wall is, and Finn Balor posted his arm and separated his shoulder. So it was a spot that wasn't necessarily fluid, but it was planned. They knew they were going to do it. Both of them knew they were going to do it. It was written, written into the match. So it's just coincidence at this point. Seth Rollins is getting in a lot of situations, and he's come out hurt himself. Um and doing a routine sunset flip off the top rope, and then boom, you know, blows out his ACL, MCL all at the same time, you know. So this is a dangerous profession. Uh, you you can be hurt at any time doing anything. And these guys that are going 260, 270 days out of the year, and these guys that have also been going for 15, 20 years, it's going to catch up with you. You know I, what I'm feeling? Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. Um, and you put that very well. And I, I completely agree. I haven't felt like he's a danger. I asked because... Of course, you know, there was a John Cena and then there was Sting. And we all know Bret Hart talked a lot of smack about yeah. Seth Rollins being dangerous in the ring. So then it was kind of the, oh, man, when Finn Balor got injured, you know. Um, and, you know, of course, Bret continued to talk. So I wanted to get your opinion on it. I feel the same way. I feel like these are routine moves that are happening that really, I mean, it's just freak accidents. And coincidentally, it happens to be with the same guy but I, I still don't think that Seth Rollins is a danger in the ring, and I don't think that his uh, I don't think that his his peers would say he is either. You know what I mean? Um, I don't think that there's nobody that doesn't want to work with Seth Rollins oh, because, no. he's, because he's dangerous. You know, so I just went off on that little tangent, man. Let's get back hey, to the podcast. Dirty ugly hand. wrestling. That's, That's what, what we do. do. That's, That's what, what we do. do. Um, all right, so what we're going to do is we're going to uh, take a short break right here. Um, what we're going to get into is uh, I had the opportunity to speak to the legendary super cruiserweight, Wes Mercer. He is the current and only four-time EWA cruiserweight champion, EWA Pro Wrestling. You know, we talk about that on the podcast. Um, I got to speak to him uh, for uh, a little bit after our free show that we had at McAvoy's uh, Sports Bar and Grill recently. Uh, it was a great interview. We're going to let you guys listen to that. And then uh, after that, we're going to come back. We're going to break down a little bit more uh wwe raw smackdown uh maybe even get into a little tna and uh a little bit of lucha underground but uh right now is that cool we're gonna take right a short now, break we're taking a short break Wes mercer check out this interview and then we're coming back that's right all right it is the dirty mic right here and uh the big ugly's not with me right now but uh he's out on location promoting this big evolution world war z show we got going on september 24th at tall cedars hall in parkville maryland right now i'm standing backstage at the free show uh that we just had at mcavoy's sports bar and grill fantastic stuff and i'm standing here with still the ewa cruiserweight champion only four time uh, the only four-time, yes. Only four-time cruiserweight champion, the legendary super cruiserweight. Did I miss anything? 
No, no, you got it all. Got I, it all. I say it every time. So, I mean, uh, it's Wes, ingrained in your personality. Uh, yes, it is now. Wes Mercer. Wes, hey, thanks for joining me back here. Oh, it's about time you had me on the show. I'm just like your most talented uh, member of the show now. Y- you certainly are. I've been trying to get you on the podcast for a while, but you know, your schedule being the uh, legendary super cruiserweight. I-, I have to take challenges everywhere grocery stores, uh, school parks, you know, any- anywhere I'm around. And don't ask why I'm near school parks. <laughs> I-, I don't want to know that, and that's for another podcast, I guess. So, uh, Wes, I've been wanting to talk to you for a while. I mean, I've been in this uh, EWA here with you for about four years now, and you've been here since just about the beginning. You've seen everything that EWA can uh, present. Uh, how did you get into this business, and how did you get into EWA? Well, uh, like most wrestlers, I uh, backyarded for way too long. Uh, it was actually around uh, eight years of backyard wrestling, and yeah. uh, then a buddy of mine by the name of Zach Matthews said, hey, I know of a wrestling school, and we got tired of getting kicked out of places, so... Uh, we uh, just said F it, and uh, we came here to the EWA, and uh, after a very, very, very long time, um, we eventually uh, both got our spots, and uh, everything worked out. I mean, I took a little bit long. I'm a late bloomer, but uh, 14 years later, uh, four-time Cruiserweight champion, best Cruiserweight champion that ever lived, you know, that kind of deal. And you've been the EWA heavyweight champion as well. I have been the uh, EWA champion. I, I hate to call it I'm the sorry, heavyweight. I'm sorry. That's right. That's it's right. It's okay. It's okay. It, I'll lead you into that. Because it's technically the heavyweight championship. Takes away from the cruiserweight, you know, talking about that division. Well, I'm also 180 pounds, so I'm not really heavyweight. <laughs> uh, you know. The EWA champion. Yeah, that's what it was called when I was, uh, when I was two-time EWA champion. Two-time. Ridiculous. Have you ever been the tag champion, Wes? No, I don't work well with others. Uh, <laughs> I... Uh, <laughs> I mean, there was a time when I was under a hood, and uh, in case you don't know what that means or anybody listening doesn't know, that means I was under a mask. Right. Um, and uh, I had a tag partner, and um, we were very unfocused. We were very raw, and uh, no matter how successful we were, we just couldn't really get each other on the same page, and eventually that broke the team apart. For the Dirty Ugly Wrestling Podcast, and this is for the big ugly who's not here, we want to talk about what was it like to take your first bump? And we're talking about you getting into the business, so, you know, the first time you learned the ropes, as it were, and the first time you took a bump, tell me what that was like. Honestly, because I backyarded for eight years, it really wasn't that bad. I mean, we we were bumping in, like, sand lots that were empty and, uh, like, grass lots. So, I mean, like, bumping in a ring was actually kind of good. Um, now, were you uh, doing what you needed to do as far as, you know, not actually trained by a trainer but i mean you you watch enough pro wrestling on television i'm sure and oh uh, we were we you know, were definitely like a very tame backyard we weren't beating each other with light tubes i mean i think they only had oh no no okay i was going to ask you yeah that that's crap that's like garbage wrestling <laughs> yeah sorry, we know we never did anything like that so i mean it was very we were basically like an awful version of uh tv stuff like we didn't know anything we thought we did but regardless um yeah my first bump actually was Pleasant. Uh, Pleasant. It actually took me longer to learn how to run the ropes than anything. So. That, that is tough. Um, you know, I, I've uh, been in there. I've refereed matches with you before, so I've gone through all of that. And that's, that is tough. Uh, and, st- and talking about t- tough ways of the business, tonight, uh, you know, we were talking about this a little bit before we got on here. Uh, you were facing the young lion, Alexander James, who comes from CZW, who can get hardcore, um, and they can do some of that stuff, uh, but they do it uh, in a way that they're actually going to bring to Evolution, World War Z. Uh, tell me about that match uh, that actually went to a time limit draw yeah yeah i mean alexander james is a tough opponent he's a piece of crap but he's a tough <laughs> opponent um you know i wrestled him back in 2005 and he broke my nose and uh because of the maryland athletic commission um you know Ooh, I, I had sorry. to uh, i had to vacate the ring i mean 
Could I finish the match? Absolutely. I don't know if we can curse here. Uh, that's all right. We would bleep to... it out if that's the case. Oh, good. Then I'll just curse and you can bleep me. That's awesome. I love that. Um, but yeah, you know, unleashed. He was a uh, he was a tough opponent, nonetheless. I mean, that was that was a tough match in general. I, I'm lucky to not got even more hurt because it was Adam Cole and uh, Alexander James and my semi experienced rear end, uh, <laughs> and I just kind of was in over my head. There was there was two guys that were, in my opinion, uh better wrestlers at the time um okay i mean you know if you look at adam cole now he's what ring, ring of honor, honor champion, champion. For like the, what second or third time right i don't know he's been the guy's super successful absolutely and then you got um started in ewa yes he did he did he did <laughs> uh but then you have uh what'd you call him the young lion the young lion alexander little, 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 james little simba the king the, of uh, catch uh, the yeah. prince of pro wrestling you know everything would, that he put me call, on the card again i wouldn't call him any of those things i call him a uh, little simba and, uh, you know, he hits hard. Um, sure does. I, I know for a fact because uh, <laughs> my ear is a little uh, numb at the moment. But uh, that's what I get for slapping a guy who uh, hits hard. But that's right. at the end of the day, he took me to the limit, but he couldn't beat me. The time limit, as it were. And you are still the EWA Cruiserweight Champion. So do you see a rematch with Alexander James in your future, only if he earns it. I don't. I don't give out rematches here. Uh, you don't become four-time legendary super cruiserweight cruiserweight champion and just give rematches. Like, nah, he can f off with that nonsense. F uh, off. I uh, I got no business wrestling him again unless he earns it. I mean, Evolution is right around the corner, and uh, we'll see what the EWA brass uh, brings to the table. But uh, that's what as, I was going to ask you. Do as far you know? as I'm concerned, no, he is not getting a rematch. Okay. Do you know what's in store for you at Evolution? Is it a cruiserweight championship match? Uh, I'm sure I'm going to defend the belt because you know I'm awesome. You know that's what I do. I defend my championship. I'm up to uh, now five defenses. Uh, I'm counting this as a win because I still retain my championship. So I am five defenses strong. Uh, this is not going to stop. The EWA has brought in people from now out of state to wrestle me because its homegrown talent cannot hang with the four-time champion. I don't call myself Legendary Super Cruiserweight for nothing. It's not just a gimmick. It's who I am. Nobody in this state has held this championship more than twice. And I've done it not only three times, but four times. I'm in a league all on my own. <laughs> so that is coming up at Evolution. Now, in the past couple of years, we've had it's the double ring, all the ladders. Um, we've had the six-pack cruiserweight challenge. That might be in your future. So you may have to defend the cruiserweight championship against five other competitors, which they could be anybody from the EWA, anybody from uh, other organizations, anybody from anywhere. Everybody wants to come into the EWA. That's true. And to be fair, um, while I am in my opinion, king of ladder matches because I've I've actually won the Cruiserweight Championship three times in ladder matches. This is true. Three of the four times was ladder matches. Absolutely. I, I've won Evolution two years in a row. Uh, I've won two ladder matches in one night. So ladder matches are something I do well. However, However, to be fair, and you won't hear this out of my mouth very often, I've never went into a ladder match champion. I've, ah. always, I've always been going in challenger and I find a way to win. So this will be... This will be new for me. I'm not saying I can't do it, but I've never gone in champion, so retaining will be a new feat for me. Will you fight just as hard to retain as you do to gain? Uh, if by, by hard you mean dirty, then yes. Dirty. It's a ladder match. I can do whatever I want. There, this is the Dirty Wrestling Podcast. Dirty, so ugly you, wrestling. You got the right guy for the job. <laughs> Let, let's, let's talk about wrestling a little bit. We talked about you. We talked about the EWA. Evolution, we've had a great free show here at McAvoy's leading up to Evolution. Ravens, Roost, all that good stuff. You are a pro wrestling fan, correct? Correct. Okay. So uh, when did you 
start watching? Who were your idols? Tell me a little bit about when you started watching. Uh, this is going to be interesting. I'm looking forward to this answer. Uh, okay, I'm going to be quite forthright because I've been I've been waiting for somebody to ask me this question. I'm ready. I hated pro wrestling until about 1996. Oh, my goodness. I thought it was the dumbest thing I've ever seen. I I really did. I I just thought it was ridiculous. I was like, this is dumb. Like, they're fake. They're not really hitting each other. And back then, in the the early 90s, wrestling wasn't really that great. Uh, You can can say what you want. Some people really like that stuff. I didn't. We had the King Mabel era going on. That was garbage. We had ECW kind of coming up, but nobody knew who they were yet. But I'm going to go on record as saying Joey Styles is an awful commentator, so I don't care about ECW. Oh, my God. Couldn't watch it. It was bad commentating. Commentating is the the finest thing in wrestling. If you don't have good commentary, it's garbage. I I agree Um, with that. But but anyways, uh, back to the question. Yes. 96 happened, and um, my buddy was a big WCW fan, big Hogan fan, and uh, he's like, dude, you got to start watching WCW. Uh, Sting's doing the Crow thing, and I was a massive Crow fan. Yes. Um, a little too much of a Crow fan, to be fully honest. <laughs> um, and so I started watching it, and I was like, wow, this is pretty cool. It was, it was literally right as soon as he told the fans to stick it. Sure. And so, I mean, it was like fresh, very, very fresh. And then I saw Rey Mysterio wrestle, Juventud uh. Guerrero, and I went, how how big are those guys? And I found out Rey Mysterio is 140 pounds, and they they misbuilt him because he he was built in WCW at five seven. So sure. was I. <laughs> I was like, I could do that, and that became my love for wrestling. Like I never really liked WWE uh, at first, anyways. When it was still WWF, because it was too much bullshit. Not enough. There's a lot of gimmicky yes, kind of yes, stuff du- going on. WCW was this. I don't like you, brother. And I'm gonna go out there and I'm gonna fight you, and then to go out and fight. And that was the story, and that's all I needed. I didn't need a bunch of like, oh, you slept with my mom, and now you have you popped out of hand for some stupid reason. <laughs> I don't know. Like WWE, like that's why I love NXT and the Cruiserweight Classic because it's oh, about yeah. wrestling. It's not about bullshit storylines. So it was the Cruiserweight division, sort of that uh, I won't say undercard, but the beginning top of the card that got you in to pro wrestling. And nowadays we've got NXT happening. We've got Lucha Underground. I don't know if you, uh, are I haven't a fan. actually watched that yet. It's got some pretty good, not only pretty good uh, action in the ring, but pretty good storylines. But uh, you know, NXT is definitely awesome. The way to go coming up. We've got Raw. We got SmackDown. The Brand Split. Are you watching any of that? Uh, uh, I, like I, SummerSlam, anything like that? I really only watch um, the WWE stuff. Like as okay. much as I would like to watch. Uh, like Lucha Underground, I never know when it's on. I hate TNA because it's it's just bad product. And uh, come on, broken Matt Hardy. You heard and heard about that's this. the only good thing about that entire promotion. So yes, I, I did watch that. The match was atrocious, but the entertainment value was over through the roof. Yeah, I got to. But say um, that. but no, like you know, I, I love NXT. Um, I love the Cruiserweight ch- uh, Challenge, and I, I I do like Raw and SmackDown at times. Yeah, the Cruiserweight Classic is fantastic, and now they're bringing the Cruiserweight. I wrestled division. two of those guys. The, oh. I've actually beat two of those guys. Tell me who. Uh, I uh, in probably one of the worst matches of my life. Um, back when I was a f- uh, the f- I first won the cruiserweight championship, I wrestled Drew Gulak. And uh, Drew, if you ever hear this, I'm telling you now, you beat the crap out of me. You showed me just how inexperienced I was at the time. Uh, but I have a win over Drew Gulak, and I hope he doesn't come to. EWA because he'll probably teach me something new. Um, <laughs> he could be in that six pack challenge. He it's could. An evolution. He could. You never I'm know. not saying I can't beat him, but I am saying that that would be the hardest challenge ever. Who was the second? Um, one? The second one was Rich Swan. Um, okay. I wrestled Rich Swan in a triple threat, and uh, I actually, if I remember correctly, I actually pinned him. I think uh, it, it was a couple years ago. It was a very good match. Uh, I love Rich Swan to death. Uh, I hope he wins the the whole thing. He's my pick. Um, and Rich, if you're listening to this. Uh, <laughs> Please come back to EWA so I can beat you again. Ah, so <laughs> one you don't want to come in and one you want to come in. It's not that I don't want Drew Gulak to come back. It's just he did serve me one of the worst beatings of my life. So. 
So you would prefer... Maybe uh, not want to relive that. Hopefully I'm a good enough wrestler now that... What am I saying? Of course I'm a good enough wrestler now. So, next uh, question. That next question. Well, uh, let's talk about the future, Wes. You know, we got Evolution coming up. Uh, I know there's a couple of different things. You know, Rage in the Cage, All Steel Cage Show. We got 2017 coming up. What's next for Wes Mercer? Uh, Wes Do you hold the Cruiserweight Championship forever, retire with it, and move to Florida or something? I don't know. Well, I'm definitely not going to move to Florida because I don't like hurricanes. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, we got one coming on the East Coast yeah. for this uh, I'm just gonna Dirty shoot, Ugly Wrestling. I'm going to shoot right here, and uh, I okay. truly believe this. I truly mean this, but anybody who lives in an area where you get natural disasters on a regular basis, you're a fucking moron, and you deserve what you get. It's every year. You, every year you get these things, so you're dumb. So no, I'm never going to move to Florida. F Florida. Too many hurricanes. <laughs> F Florida. Uh, what's next? What's next for West Mercer? That's right. Uh, West Mercer is going to continue to get better. West Mercer is going to continue to defend his championship. Most people, they define their championships by how many days they've held it. And I don't even know what, how many days I'm up to. I know that Rage in the Cage will be one year. Right. Um, I don't, so so you're I, probably around 260, 270 like days. But I, I judge mine by defenses. Okay. I'm up to, like I said, I believe five defenses. Uh, five, defense, five defenses strong. Strong. And uh, I would love to uh, double-digit that bad boy. Um, I have, I have a, to, to be fair, to be humble for just a moment, um, I, ha- West Mercer, I have... I have goals. Um, you know, the longest reigning cruiserweight champion in EWA history was uh, Adam Cole. Right. He held it for two years. Uh, Drew Gulak held it for a year. Okay. Um, uh, Sean Cannon held it for a year and some change. And I want to say that uh, Trent Farrell also held it for a year and maybe some change. A little over a year. Uh, so I have, I have, if I want to be better than these guys, which I am better than some of these guys, I don't want to bash anybody who's not here anymore because they can't defend themselves. But, um, you know. I am better than some of these guys, <laughs> and I'm going to prove it by continuing to be cruiserweight champion and continuing to win. I'm going to. My goal is to be the longest reigning four-time cruiserweight champion. That is my goal, and we look forward to seeing that at EWA Pro Wrestling. You know, EWAMaryland.com, EWA Pro Wrestling on Facebook, EWA Maryland Instagram. How can people find you, Wes? Or do you want people to find you okay. or follow you? I have a, a Facebook account. Um, it is uh, the legendary Super Cruiserweight Wes Mercer. Uh, it is a like that page. wasn't too long for the title for Facebook. Uh, it originally was the Lone Wolf back in the day when uh, <laughs> I, I cared less about uh, that. But um, no, it was not too long. It was not too long. Okay, uh, I wanted it to be something else, but uh, apparently it was taken. Ah, f it. Um, but yeah, that you can find me. It's a like page, so like it. Um, if you find my actual Facebook, I will not accept your friend request. I will <laughs> tell you to go fuck yourself. And uh, that's the end of that. Um, I, I have an Instagram account that is uh, partial wrestling related and. Uh, you can follow that because I can't stop you. Uh, you can talk all the smack in the world, too. I'm one of the best smack talkers in this company. You certainly are. And uh, if you want to test me, please. But that's uh, Revenge City Archer. Revenge underscore city uh, underscore Archer. Um, I do some uh, extracurricular stuff with props and costumes. So you want to try to talk smack about that? Go for it. I was going to ask you about that. Your life outside of professional wrestling. Uh, you're a little bit of a cosplayer, so I understand. Not a little bit. Or a actually, lot. a whole <laughs> lot of a cosplayer. I, uh, I like making props. I like making costumes. I like dressing up. I'm going to Baltimore Comic Con tomorrow. Comic-Con. I'm like the uh, Xavier Woods of uh, of EWA. Like <laughs> he's a big nerd, so am I. But you know, I can be a big nerd all day. Guess what? I still I'm still awesome. I still can go in the ring and outstrike anybody. I can go in the ring and uh, 
spear anybody, uh, put them down on the mat, one, two, three. So. Does the cosplay world and the pro wrestling world, do they parallel? Do they intersect anywhere? It's funny because they're very similar. Um, if you really think about it, like, at the end of the day, this is entertainment. I mean, we're all athletes. Uh, I mean, if you're not an athlete, you can't survive. But uh, True. we're all about the- theatricality. Like, uh, being a, a cosplayer means costume play. Right. So anybody wants to be educated. <laughs> um, which, probably not, because, you know. Hey! <laughs> 30 Ugly Wrestling <laughs> listeners, I don't know if they're educated or not, but I appreciate them hitting the play button on SoundCloud, by the way, SoundCloud. But, uh, but yeah, so, I mean, it's one of those things where, like, it's very similar because you're, you're embracing another character. Um, for example, tomorrow, if anybody wants to come find me, I will be dressed as a, a Red Lantern Darth Maul, and I've oh. made uh, all of the armor. I've made, uh, I've made mo- most of the, the suit, so, I mean, it's, it's, all, it's all good. <laughs> And so I mean, and then, uh, and then I'm gonna have fun. Gotcha. I'm gonna have fun on Sunday, and I'm gonna be Ernest P. Worrell from the Ernest movies. I'm I can't so wait. excited about that. I saw that on one of your uh, able to be followed uh, Instagram, and uh, I marked out for that big time. And uh, I, I like I having a good time. Wait to see that. I love all the movies. What's your favorite Ernest movie? Well, I just recently watched Ernest Scared Stupid because uh, it's the only thing on HBO Go, and it was hilarious. Okay. I'm, I'm 34 years old, and I still laugh hysterically at so <laughs> much of it. I, I, I need to get, like, uh, the, the only three I've actually seen, um, which I probably saw, like, a million times, okay. was Scared Stupid, right. Goes to Jail, and uh, Goes to Camp. Camp was the first one i ever seen. Me too. It's got a lot of poop, poop humor, and I really love poop humor. Like, I, <laughs> poop I laugh humor. at it forever. I don't care. <laughs> but um, I'd have to say probably Camp is my favorite. Uh, I haven't seen it in a while. But I think camp's my favorite. That's awesome. Well, uh, what do you have? Uh, we are going to wrap up this podcast backstage here at the free show at EWA Pro Wrestling, the Ravens Roost Road to Evolution. What do you have to say to the Dirty Ugly Podcast listeners, Wes Mercer? Oh, uh, well, I mean, uh, obviously come out to Evolution and uh, see me uh, overcome obstacles and defend my championship in a ladder match and prove that I'm the king of ladder matches as well as the king of casket matches. I'm undefeated in those. But um, most definitely come out and uh, see what happens. I mean, I don't really care what happens between uh, EWA and um, and CZW and and uh, what's that other group called? The the, the new guys, uh, Supremacy? Supremacy. Yeah, I don't care about them. They won't be the first faction to come through. They're not going to be the last. So. I was going to ask where you stood in the big Supremacy EWA. I, I don't stand in it. They can do whatever they want. They can invite CZW. They can fight CZW. They can fight EWA. Guess what? Those four guys, or five now, uh, it's hard to keep track because they multiply like rats. Um, it's like gremlins. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're, they're as effective as one, too. Um, <laughs> but they, uh, they're going to come and go. They're, they're not going to interfere with my title reign. Jones has already tried and failed. Uh, I, I beat him in like five minutes. So he can go away. If he wants to challenge me, he, maybe he can wrestle somebody like Alexander James. If those two can have a match, whoever beats, whoever wins between those two, maybe I'll give him another shot. But I beat them both. I don't need to wrestle them anymore. So uh, that's, that's I'm concerned with my championship. I'm not concerned with Supremacy, CCW, EWA, Cruiserweight Championship on my shoulder. That's what I'm concerned with. Wes Mercer is about Wes Mercer. Thank you for joining us on the Dirty Ugly Wrestling Podcast. Thank you for finally having somebody on your podcast <laughs> of merit. And uh, if you ever want to, I, I will tag you in it. And if you want to share it, feel free to let your West Mercer followers. Uh, can, can I can I have one one final thought? You can have one final thought. I, I heard Apollo a couple weeks ago, maybe a month ago, say that his favorite opponent was uh, Jim Christian. That's a bunch of bull bull harky, malaki, whatever it is. I'm one of his best opponents. How dare you? <laughs> well, thank you very much. I do appreciate it. West Mercer, Dirty Ugly Wrestling, EWA Pro Wrestling. We're out of here. Me.
Dirty Ugly Wrestling is back. Yeah, uh, back. You just listened to the interview with Super Cruiserweight West. Legendary Super Cruiserweight. Legendary, excuse me. Make sure to get legendary that in there. Legendary Super Cruiserweight. And uh, I hope you enjoyed that. And uh, please like and share and uh, follow Wes where um, he said you can follow him. And then if you try to follow him in other places, he's probably going to tell you to F off like he did. Um, there was a little bit of vulgarity in that, uh, but this is the Dirty Ugly Wrestling and podcast. And it gets dirty and ugly. That's right. But it was a great interview, and we're going to have more uh, EWA Pro Wrestling interviews coming up down the road. So um, let's get back into this pro wrestling thing. Dude, can I just ask a question? <laughs> <laughs> Are you going to go off on a tangent again? All right, just just one little question. That's all right. Man. What's up, just man? Just one question. What's up? So the Dudley Boys, yes. recently they, they left the WWE. They parted ways. They did. I mean, do you think that they should have got a better send-off than that? Like, should they have done, uh, you know... Let them have the ring, you know, let people realize that this was the end for the Dudley boys, or do you think they went out? I think they went out the way that they should have went out, honestly. I mean, they got the ring for five, six minutes live, Mike, um, kind of main event spot on, uh, on on the show. And then, of course, what they did is is what they've been doing for the past year. They put somebody else Putting over. some young people over, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I know the Dudley boys are going to go into the Hall of Fame more than likely this upcoming year. And they're going to get their time, their stage, their microphone again. Because they absolutely deserve to be in there. So, I think they went out exactly the way they should yeah. go out. I mean, yeah. I, I was kind of going back and forth because I was hoping they would kind of get that alone time in the ring to, you know, kind of get their send off. But we definitely know they're going into the Hall of Fame. Um you know, I, I think they were a great nostalgia act coming back, you know, especially in the beginning. You know, everybody loved them. I don't know if what they did really helped get the young guys over that much as far as the new teams. I think that that's debatable. They did put people over, that's no doubt. Mm-hmm. But did it really get them over? Not really sure. Um, but Might yeah. have been more behind the scenes, you know, because they have a wealth of knowledge in the business. So probably more in the planning and um, the booking and the backstage stuff, of course, the execution in the ring, you know, they got the fundamentals, it's going to happen. So, um, you know, do they make a major impact in on television storylines? No, not anymore. But uh, do they help the new guys? Do they help the younger guys? Do they get in there and, and take the lumps and take the bumps for the guys? I think they do. I think they did what they needed to do. Um, whether they got won the titles again, I don't think it was about that. I think it was about helping the new guys along in ways that we probably didn't even see. So, I was cool Absolutely. with it. I was cool with it. So, All right, man. I'm going to let you move on. Go ahead. It's all right, Go bro. Ahead. No more tangents. We're all, we all, we, I'm sure we're going to come up with <laughs> tangents because that's what we do when we talk, and you guys love it. Um, and please comment. Please send emails. Please let us know what you're thinking, what you're feeling. And if you have a tangent that you'd like us to go off on or like a tangent that you'd like to speak of, please, uh, SoundCloud, YouTube now, which is Facebook. awesome. Facebook. That's right. Dirty Ugly Wrestling on Facebook. Um so we're a couple re- weeks removed from SummerSlam and NXT TakeOver Brooklyn. Um, two very good events. Of course, they had the Barkley Center rocking Saturday, Sunday, Monday night. Three straight shows. Sold out every night. Awesome. Um, the big things that I remember about uh, NXT, Bobby Roode got his big, glorious entrance. And, of course, the song's been out on iTunes for a couple weeks. So everybody's singing it. Uh, beautiful. Um, also Austin Aries is trying to get a little bit of a push. This is what we were talking about before. Like kind of when those NXT guys come up, who's going to take the reins, Austin Aries, uh, Bobby Roode, Roode, um, Ember Moon, they introduced for the ladies. Asuka is still kicking 
uh, kick and tail. Um, Asuka and Bailey, fantastic match. The tag teams, my God. The revival against Gargano and Ciampa. My God, that is like one of the best matches I've ever seen. Bro, can I make a confession to you, Uh-oh. Mike? Go for it. Confess. Yeah, that was my Testify. That <laughs> yes, <laughs> that was a good Russo. Um, I did not actually see NXT TakeOver yet. Mm. It's bad, but I did not see it. I saw You're a SummerSlam. busy man. Yeah, I have not seen TakeOver yet. But I did hear that this tag team match was off the chain, though. Off the chain. Um, classic tag team wrestling. The spots, the timing, the, the psychology, the action. Uh, it's just, I mean, this is a match that if you love pro wrestling, if you love tag team wrestling, if you're trying to get in to the business at all, watch this match. I mean, it's just phenomenal. Um, Asuka had a great uh, showing over Bailey, and then, of course, Bailey. Um, two nights later on Monday Night Raw, came up to the main roster. So, excellent for Bailey. Very happy for her. Can she maintain her level of popularity up here on the main roster? So far, the initial pop has been good. Um, she needs to modify a few things to take care of the bigger crowd rather than you know the couple thousand crowd. But of course, she held her own in the Barclays Center with sixteen thousand people last year when she won the title, and sixteen thousand people this year when she lost to Oscar. So, I think she can do it. <clears throat> the wacky, waveable, inflatable arm tube bands <laughs> are all out. She's got the bands. So, I mean, uh, you know, the armbands, the headbands. I mean, there's a lot of merch that can be put behind her. They're going to put the machine behind her. She's going to stay the same. They can't change her. Got to be that, uh, you know, that underdog girl next door who's got to fight up from underneath. Right. When she gets in there with um, Charlotte and all these other people, uh, it's going to be great. I think she's going to be fine. Um Shinsuke is now the NXT champion. Shinsuke Nakamura. Hey, this this guy is a powerhouse, man. And I honestly was concerned, and I think, you know, we've talked about this before we have. because of, you know, the way Japanese wrestlers have been used in the past. But, I mean, they are turning him into a top guy, mm-hmm. like taking care of this guy. I hope that he will get this same level of treatment when he gets to the main roster because um, if he does, it's going to be huge, man. And I think he could step up anytime he wants, but I think, uh, and we've talked about this before, I think NXT's got to maintain, they got to have some top guys down there, and they got to have some top guys to face top guys. Um, so Shinsuke is going to stay down there for a while. Samoa Joe went out on injury, and uh, Samoa Joe is going to uh, be coming back. I'm sure he's going to get his rematch against Shinsuke, and then hopefully Joe will come up because we need some uh, more meat for Brock Lesnar. Um, but we'll get to that. Uh, I think... Um, yeah, as long as they treat these people as well as they do uh, on the main roster as they do in NXT. Shinsuke had, um, you know, a, a professional violinist come out and actually play his beginning of his entrance music down to the ring. That's what I heard. It was <laughs> it was dark. It was awesome, man. I mean, that, and the crowd got into it. The crowd is now singing his entire theme song. Um, it's fantastic. I love it. So, Shinsuke is the NXT champion. SummerSlam the next night... Um, Long, long. They had about a two-hour pre-show. A little too long, man. A little four-hour, four-and-a-half-hour main show. And this was like we were talking about for WrestleMania. Just too much. Yeah, you know, I think that WWE needs to kind of scale it back on the amount of, of content. It's like you already have the WWE Network. Right. So the amount of wrestling content you have access to is so vast that... When it comes to your live products, you don't need to give so much. Um, there's no, you know, WrestleMania is like, you know, if you're going to make a long program, let that be the one-off. But 
I mean, don't just make this a habit with your big four programs. You know what I mean? Just because it's SummerSlam, it's got to be almost equivalent to WrestleMania time. Like, it, it it's too much. It's too, and there can be too much wrestling. But I think for somebody like a Vince McMahon, who I don't think he recognizes entertainment outside of wrestling. You know what I mean? It's like he thinks that, you know, wrestling fans probably the end-all, be-all is wrestling. And wrestling fans love wrestling, but they have other stuff to do as well. And they like other stuff. And right. you don't want too much of it because too much of anything will start to get old to you, you know? Absolutely so. true. I agree with that. Too much can be uh, a hindrance in some instance. And then maybe the way they're thinking about it is because, okay, so we got this whole thing on the network. We don't have to worry about pay-per-view providers. You can go back and watch it on the network on demand if you don't watch it the first time. But what I'm thinking about is that crowd that's in um, the Barclays Center uh, or wherever they're at. So the crowd in the Barclays Center, they were there. Most of them were there for three hours the night before watching NXT. Most of them are there now for upwards to six hours watching SummerSlam. And now a lot of the same people are going to be watching Raw, which is going to be 8 to 11 the following night with a pre-show on that. So that's three to four hours. So um, if you think about that crowd, you got to entertain that crowd the whole time. And if you don't entertain that crowd the right way, it's going to come off strangely when it's on the network. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. Absolutely. As a viewer, uh, the crowd has a huge impact on, you know – what am I trying to say here? The excitement of the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? If the, if you're watching a match, and even if you think it's good, if the crowd is dead, you're kind of it's going to draw you out of it. It's going to take you out of it. But if that crowd is going, you're into it because you feel like you're a part of something big. You know what I mean? So, they like you said, they got to cater to the crowd. Um, yeah, nothing against the Barclays crowd. I mean, that's that's New York. You know, that's that's hardcore wrestling yeah, fans. I mean, New York, yeah. Philadelphia. You can never accuse them of not being fans. Like, no, yeah. not at all. But I mean, here's the, here's the thing that I want to get at. You know, SummerSlam was a good show overall. Um, I gotta say, um, you know, we talk about uh, certain things. You know, Sheamus um, and Cesaro in the best of seven. I think that's pretty cool as they go along. Charlotte beats Sasha, and Sasha now is out on injury, which is very. That's kind of sucks for her because she was finally getting a little, a little push up. But then she's again just random freak yeah. stuff. She's just pushed herself way too long. Well. You know, I've heard people talking about Sasha making some risky uh, moves, taking some risky moves in that match, which she did. Is she trying to do too much? You know, because she apparently her body's pretty beat up, which is why she's got to take time off again. If you remember, she just recently came back. She did. From having time off. I don't think so. she took enough time off in the beginning. I think she needed to take more time off because she's been beat up because she's been working that full schedule for a couple years now. Right. And, and as far as this match, you know, this was SummerSlam. This is a main profile. This is her biggest main profile match other than her beating Charlotte on Raw for the title. So, she, yeah, I'm sure she felt the pressure on her. I'm sure she felt, uh, you know, she had to do something. Now, a couple of the things that they did kind of got botched, and there was, a, you know, a few dangerous-looking spots, but that can happen in any match, whether it's – you know, the match on a live event or a match on Monday Night Raw, SmackDown, whatever. But, um, you know, I don't think she took any more chances than, say, anybody else would. And, and, it, and again, this goes back to the Seth Rollins thing. Is she dangerous in the ring? Absolutely not. Sasha is a professional. She's been doing this for a long time. She deserves to where she'd be. So she's a little beat up. Hopefully they give her enough time off at this point not only to heal physically but also mentally, emotionally, and then she'll have that drive to get back in. And then when she does get back in, uh, she'll do what she does best. She'll protect herself, and then she'll protect others, and then she'll get a run again um, for the title. And then hopefully we saw the three women at WrestleMania, the three horsewomen this year. Maybe we'll see all four get up into the next one. We, we hope so. Um, I I, I kind of wish at this point that 
if this was going to happen this way, like they knew she was getting a time off that they never put the belt on her in the first place because at that point it really just felt like you wanted to do something special for the first Monday. That's exactly uh, what it is. Yeah. The first Monday Night Raw, Raw after the brand after split. The, right, exactly. And um, I, I, I just, it just felt cheap at that point when I saw Charlotte just like win it back and win it back clean at that. Yep. Um, you know, so. Yeah, but, I mean, moving on. And that, she's, uh, she's going to have it for a while. She's yeah. going to call it a fluke, you know, and when Sasha comes back, they'll have some some uh, area to play. Right. Um, let's see. John Cena, AJ Styles. Did you see this match? I did see this match, and you have on the notes here, best match, and I underlined it because it was definitely the best, best match. And I, and I think that because of this match, the crowd was finished after this. Absolutely. <laughs> it was it was over. Like, they, they were so into this match that it – it and was, remember, yeah. they've been there for about three, four hours at this point, and they watched this match, and they got this roller coaster wide, and they got these decent matches heading up to that, and then they got Cena and AJ, but they still got four matches after that. But Cena and AJ blew the roof off that. Just say what you want about John Cena. Everybody says what they want about John Cena. That man has superpowers. It's been said on other podcasts. That man can work. That man can sell. That man can make somebody else look like a million dollars. Um, and then AJ just solidified his spot as a top guy. Um, Cena can now take a little time off, you know, go do some TV, uh, go do some other stuff, and uh, he'll come back, and then I'm sure he'll be able to get in there, main event, with somebody else. And let me tell you, there, it's a big deal that AJ went over clean on John Cena. That's you know huge. what I mean? That That's huge. Not many people get to go over clean. That's a huge rub for AJ to say, like you said, he is a top guy. Um, I'm looking forward to what he's doing because I love AJ. I think he, I think he's great. Me too. I'm a huge AJ Styles fan, and he's got nowhere to go but up. Um, and you know, he's been running and pushing hard for so long. I'm hoping he and does to, not go down right. to injury or something like that. And to be his age and work the way that he does after all these years is just amazing. It is um, how he's kept his body in shape for that. So. Here's what I want to see. I know they're on different shows right now, but I want to see AJ and Seth Rollins. I also want to see Shinsuke come up and take on AJ because those two have had matches in New Japan. Um, oh, my God. Like, I could watch them all day long. Yeah, I, I can't wait. <laughs> so, we talked about the crowd coming out of it after Cena yeah. and um, AJ. And that's a little bit of a shame because Ambrose and Ziggler, um, the buildup was great. The match was what it was. I mean, both guys worked hard. They did They did a good job. But the match was kind of quiet. The match didn't really get over too much. Yeah. You know, my thing about this is I feel like the attempt to build up this match was great. Like, the way they made it happen. I feel like people still weren't ready. Or I know at least me. I was not ready to accept Ziggler as a viable opponent for Ambrose. Considering he had been jobbing for people like, yeah. over the past year. And then all of a sudden, he's in a spot to take on the WWE champion. To me, it, just, it wasn't realistic. I never and I never thought for a moment he was actually going to win the title. So, and, and then the 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 build up that they tried to play, which was cool, was that you know kind of like Ziggler doesn't win in you know big moments. You know what I mean? Like right. he can't pull it out in the end. And at the end of the match, he he didn't pull it out at the end. Nope. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it was just like so. It was just the stamp of what Ambrose had been saying on Ziggler. And I was I just didn't understand why Ziggler would kind of get that treatment. Um, Maybe this is the beginning in the upcoming of Ziggler. Maybe if they actually keep him in the light, keep him going on this train, same thing, fighting up from underneath, underdog, never wins. Um, if they keep going with him and he doesn't get injured and he doesn't go out, maybe this will work six, nine months down the road. Perhaps, if maybe. that's the plan. If that's the plan. If that's the plan, I think it would be great. Um, 
my other my other issue with this match is the spot on the card. The WWE championship match should not be in the middle of the card, man. Dude, it was like fourth to the end. To, I mean, it, I mean, it was ridiculous. I'm talking. Here, here's your title. So we have a new title match later on for the Universal title, right? right? Which. I mean, what what are you trying to say? Is that belt now more important than the actual WWE Championship? Not in my opinion. I don't think so. This is like a secondary title. This title would be like the, uh, what was it before when they had the two titles? The World? It was the World World Heavyweight Heavyweight Championship Championship. and then the WWE Championship. Right, exactly. So, I didn't like that it was in uh, the middle of the card, especially taking like, you know, second seat to like uh, Randy Orton and Brock Lesnar main event, which is like. Which we found out why the reasoning later, but we'll get to that. Okay, yeah. So, I mean, I, that was my other thing, was where it was in car. But like I said, agree. the match was what it was. The crowd was completely out of it because it followed. It had to follow John Cena and AJ, which it couldn't. Um, no, nothing could it, follow it, that. Right, it, it couldn't. So I mean, were they... Were it was they, a bad spot. It was kind of a... I mean, it was kind of a bad spot. You know, you figure, like, Undertaker, Brock Lesnar, you know, there was a 12... This was WrestleMania 30. There was a 12 Diva uh, Battle Royal or tag match after that. I mean, they got crucified because the crowd was so taken out of it. And even Daniel Bryan won the WWE and World Heavyweight Championship later on that night. And the crowd was still... I mean, they popped at the end, but the crowd was still kind of taken out of that match. Right. Um, but, I mean, that's the risk you run. I mean, because you can't put Cena, AJ, I mean, you can put Cena, AJ main event, but it doesn't make sense because they've built up other matches to go. And then you put your title matches, you got, you know, Ambrose and Ziggler. Then you got Finn and Seth, which, of course, was a, a good match. Um, Finn got hurt somewhere during the beginning. He went through the match. He finished the match. He won the Universal title for the first time, and then immediately he's got to have it stripped off of him because he can't wrestle for six to nine months. Um, you know. And again, the crowd was out of that one, too, because of, you know, earlier on. Yeah. What I really couldn't wait to see was Finn do his entrance, because, you know, we all love the Demon entrance. So and that was cool. That was, a, that was absolutely great. Um, I was into this match, because I knew that they were going to put on a great show. Um, so, they did. I mean, you got to give it up to Finn. He popped his shoulder out, popped that joint back in, and finished the match. He sure you did. You know what I mean? And they still had, like, another good, like, ten minutes on that joint. You know what I mean? He kept working. And you so, couldn't even really tell that he was injured. I mean, he was selling a little bit, but, uh, you know, he was trying not to sell it. You know what I'm saying? Because right. he was already hurt. But, yeah, that, I got to give it to him. Great match. Yeah. Um, uh, loved it, but, again, the crowd a little bit out of it. Now. crowd a little bit out of it. The title itself. Before I get into uh, – before I get into what the actual title looks like, because it looks horrible, okay? How did they get to the red, man? Like, I, I don't red understand for raw. it. Oh, red yeah. for raw. Because, I, and, and we'll see it because we're going to put up a graphic, which I think I sent you already with all the new yeah. title belts. Um, they got now the SmackDown titles are blue, except for the WWE World Heavyweight Championship. If they turn yeah. that thing blue, that'll be terrible. Oh, that'll be horrible. Um, but the Universal title is the exact replica of the WWE World Heavyweight Championship, except it says Universal on it, yeah, and it's red. And it's red. And yeah. then the tag team titles, which they now have on SmackDown Live. For the is, women? Uh, no, they have tag team titles for the men, and they also have a woman's title. Right. And they're both exact replicas of the tag team and women's championship, but they're blue. So, now, it's great for the marketing and merchandising department because they can put out the same shell. All they got to do is change the colors, and they're going to sell thousands and thousands of replicas. Yeah. Um, that's going to be fine. But, yeah, a lot of people had a problem with that universal title because it, you know... It- it's horrible. It's there's no imagination into it. It's yeah. the same thing. It's the same thing, but red. So both shows now have their you know women's, their tag, their world. One show has the IC, one show has the US. You know, so they've exactly split it down the middle. Right. And you have one company doing one thing and the other company doing the same exact thing, getting there in different ways. 
So I will. I do want to uh, segue on this real quick. Talking about Finn Balor and Finn. having to strip the title off him immediately. You know, if anybody ever listened to Freddie Prince Jr. on a podcast, one of the things because he used to work for WWE, he one did. of the things he talks about is why Vince favors big guys as champions over small guys. And one of the things Freddie says is that small guys just can't. They don't last as long as big guys. And he talks about somebody like a John Cena who can go so long without being injured, but it doesn't work the way for small guys. And I was like, this is the exact example of like what Freddie was talking about in the sense that we've had this happen before, like with Daniel Bryan. Mm-hmm. You know, he wins. It's this big moment where the crowd gets what they want. He wins the title. And then, you know, a month later, he's out. And he has to strip. It's not a good look. Same thing with Finn. Here's the introduction to this new belt. And they're putting it on Finn. They're about to put the rocket boosters on him, send him to the top. He's going to be the man of Raw. And almost the very next day, they have to strip it. And the whole plan has to change. You know, everything has to change. And it's not a good look. You know what I mean? It's not a good feeling. Because, especially from a fan standpoint, it's like you're looking forward to what just got set up. Right. And now. And it's been taken away from Right. I feel. So when you're watching it and you're watching the development and you're watching the story and it's built up for however many months, you feel like when you get the payoff, it might not be a payoff because you're going to get the payoff and then it's just going to die. Right. It very well could, and it could happen. Now, again, this Finn Balor thing, I don't think, I mean, there was nothing done that was poor or bad, nothing on Seth Rollins' part. I mean, it just kind of happened. Seth, uh, you know, Finn Balor's been in ridiculous matches for a while to try to get, but it seems like when NXT, when you're in this a little bit of a different style, getting up to where you're going, Kevin Owens came up and he hasn't gone out yet. And he's still been wrestling the same style. So, you know, and he's a bigger guy, you know, a little bit bigger guy. But, I mean, as far as shape goes, Finn Balor is in world better shape than Kevin Owens. Absolutely. So, and, and Kevin Owens we'll talk about because now, uh, this is a good segue, Kevin Owens actually, a, you know, got into and won a fatal four-way elimination match on uh, Monday Night Raw to become what they're now calling the first ever Universal Champion, which is bullshit because, I'm sorry, because Finn won it. Right, but they're trying to deny it. So when Finn comes back, he'll have a, a box to stand on, something to fight on. And and I get that. So and just to harp on that for a moment. So Kevin wins the belt. Um, Triple H makes his return. Right. What's Triple H's? Uh, does he have a dog in this fight? I'm I'm very confused because the authority angle is over. Right. Um, Triple H kind of comes in and he's almost still kind of playing the role of that authority figure, where it's mm-hmm. like I want certain things to happen. You know what I mean? And it's like. I'm very confused about where they're going to go with this. So was this just to set up some feud with him and Seth Rollins? Yes. Okay. They they have to have a Rollins Triple H payoff pedigree versus pedigree. You know they have to end that whole you know authority storyline, um, which is the, what they were trying to bank on. You know Seth hugged Stephanie earlier in the night, and then Triple H pedigreed R- Roman first. Now that was good because we haven't seen Triple H in that role since WrestleMania, and that's where um, Triple H lost to Roman at WrestleMania for the title. So was he going after Roman to get his revenge? I think he got the revenge he wanted on Roman. He's not trying to go after Roman anymore. Um, now he wants to, like you said, strategically place his pieces. This is who he wants to be the champion. He doesn't want it to be Roman. He doesn't want it to be Rollins. Big Cass was already out of the match. By the way, Big Cass being in that match was phenomenal for him. He held his own. Um, they, he, he made it into the second segment of the match. Um, that was great. Big Cass is actually proving himself very, very worthy. So he is, my question is, is it a good idea for them to start kind of putting him out there, separating him from Enzo so soon? Like, I feel like these guys kind of just came up 
and they're already like trying to put him in these singles matches. Like, you, you know, it's like, are you going to give them a chance to just continue to build as a tag team before you start trying to separate them a bit? I think they will, but I think they got a lot of tag teams, enough tag teams on both shows. But I think it works, and this is something I wanted to mention to you. It works to have them come out to the music. The music hits. That's a pop. Enzo does his talking on the mic. That's a pop. Now, we saw Enzo get hurt not too long ago just by taking a bad spill. So are they protecting Enzo a little bit? That's possible. He's got the fundamentals, but in the ring, Enzo is not going to get that over time to shine. Um, it's going to be he's going to take all the heat, and Big Cass is going to get the hot tag, and Big Cass is going to come and finish it off. So, and Big Cass, little bits on the mic is okay. Not a lot. Oh, no. So let Enzo talk for him. This is what we talked about, like for Brock Lesnar, having Paul Heyman as a microphone guy, and getting somebody out there for Roman to possibly be a microphone guy. I think it can work. They need to balance it, though. They need to keep him in the tag teams a little bit, but they also need to put Big Cass out there with Enzo in his corner. Not as a manager, per se, but, you know, he's... He's the heater. You know what I'm right. saying? Absolutely. Absolutely. Bro, speaking of Bro Heyman, <laughs> can I tell you something? So, I just want to say, I just want to tangent real quick. Tangent. tangent. Warning. All right. Alberto Dario suspended for 30 days. Right. Now, Alberto Dario supposedly not coming back to WWE mm-hmm. after suspension is over. Yep. My rumors have it is that they actually had plans to put Alberto with Heyman. Mm-hmm. What do you think about that? Do you think that would have worked out for Del Rio? Because, I mean, now, putting Heyman doesn't mean that you're golden. No. But, it, you know, it can turn some heads. You know, you might. I don't think it uh, I think it would have been a good initial pop, but I don't think it would have worked. They tried to put Heyman with Curtis Axel a couple years ago. It only works right now with Heyman being with Lesnar. Um, it worked with Punk because, you know, Lesnar was out for a little while. Um, and, and then he came back and he had Punk and Lesnar. That's fine. Um, but Punk is, can hold his own on the microphone, right. so that was kind of a balance. And because of that relationship, I think, that Punk legitimately has with Heyman, yeah. it worked well. Yeah. Yeah. But it, uh, I think Punk, uh, I'm sorry, I think uh, Lesnar and Heyman, I think Heyman only can work with Lesnar right now. I don't think there's anybody else that legitimately um, can be a you know, have Paul Heyman as an advocate right now. Alberto Del Rio being part of the mid-card. I mean, he's a fantastic wrestler, great worker, love it. Um, but you you realize at the same time, it's funny, that Paige got busted for the wellness policy at the exact same time, and those two are doing the hibbity-dibbity right now? Yeah, and you know, our, his, his, the other thing on Rumor Street that I, that I read up on was that apparently they didn't get busted for the same drug. No. But apparently the office actually was harassing Paige about breaking up and ending her relationship with Del Rio. Yep. To the point where uh, supposedly, you know, she could have been facing uh, getting fired if, you know, she didn't try and, like, end this relationship. I don't know if they have ended the relationship. I don't know where, where they are on that. But I'm just very confused as to, like, why they would – want them to do that. And apparently that's part of the reason that they split them up with the brands, which, uh-huh. which they were pretty pissed about. Um, and I, I just didn't understand, like, why? Because I'm like, man, it's not like Del Rio's a top guy. So why would why would they be so concerned with, who, like, who they're dating, you know, if they're dating each other? I, I just didn't get it. But I, I don't think uh, they both of them had enough pull with the office individually. You know, Alberto's had his dealings before Paige has just come up. I mean, she's 22, 23 years old, so she's a baby in the business. 
Um, and and Bert, uh, Bert is like 40-something. Yeah, yeah, so, he's definitely an older guy. Yeah. You know, they're both at different points in their careers. Now, you know, you got Nikki Bella and John Cena. They're both right at the same point in their career, both kind of doing the same thing. You got Daniel Bryan and Brie Bella, who's kind of now at the same point in their career. So these people that have these backstage romances, uh, Dean Ambrose and Renee Young, mm-hmm. you know, they're still at the same path of their career. I think, um, and they all got the same pull, they're in the same you know, part of the office, and, and they're all in the same part of the, uh, kind of the, the WWE machine. I think Del Rio and Paige, since Paige had a lot more years left in her, and she still does, Del Rio could have been an in-and-out kind of thing, so they didn't want to see, well, Del Rio's got to go, um, Paige going to leave with him. That's, I think that's what their fear was. Ah, okay. Well, that, see what I'm saying? Yeah, that, that, makes, that makes sense, and sure enough, Del Rio apparently is gone. You know, I, I'm not truly understanding what Del Rio expected. Uh, personally, here's, here's my thing. I don't think that Del Rio's shortcomings are all on WWE. Uh-uh. I think I think that they have tried to put him out there. Yeah. Honestly, I just think that the audience just doesn't take to his character. Uh, maybe, you know, he needs a revamp who he is as a character. He's a great in-ring performer, but as we know, that, that can't carry you all the way. Exactly. So, you know, he, he's got to work on it. Just being that, I don't know, I represent Mexico and you know, stuff like, I mean, you just got to put something more to it. He's got to get back to the rich yeah. aristocrat where he felt like he was better than everybody else outside of the ring. You got to put, uh, you know, Rodriguez, whatever his name was, yeah, the, uh, the ring announcer, Roberto. Yeah. That was awesome when they did that. And then but Del Rio doesn't need to talk at all. And then just be that rich, better than everybody else snob. Yeah. And then that'll, you know, hit not only the uh, nostalgic part of people, but it'll connect. It'll connect, right. If they want to do right. it. Right. And, I mean, that's kind of what got him to be an uh, actual superstar in the first place. So, um, but, so I, I'm pretty sure he's going to go back to, like, a Lucha or something Probably. like that. Which he'll find success. I mean, those, those, those guys are going to love him. Lucha, so. Indies, you know, he'll get money. He'll get success. He'll be yeah. fine. And I hope uh, I hope Paige comes around. I think she's a great character uh, for the WWE. I think she's in a great spot with this Divas Revolution. I don't think she's gotten the push that she has been gotten in the past yet. But I think she could be a great player, so hopefully she comes yeah, up. Yeah, they're going to they're bring her back. And the other thing about Paige is that she's she's pretty much the star of Total Divas. You yeah. know, and, that, and I mean, they want Total Divas to stick around on that E programming. You know, it gives them a lot of mainstream uh, uh, attention. You know, having that that reality show, and, and Paige is one of the big draws. You know? Yeah, so. and now it's it's now it's called Total Bellas, and now they got uh, you know Nikki and Brie are the figureheads, they're the faces, but I think they still have those other those other women in it. So I thought that Total Bellas was a separate show, like they were doing another season of Total Divas, and then Total Bellas would be a whole separate show with really? just the Bella Twins. Is it that way? I, that's I what know. I was thinking when I was reading it. That's what I think it is. It might be. They're I mean, getting their own show now. It's two separate shows on the E Network. I think possibly. so. Yeah. We'll have to see about that. I might yeah. have to check because this is a new TV season and we got to check that. Yeah, out. we're gonna have to. Yeah, we'll have to look it up. But we'll let's get back to the summer. Let's get All back right. into the semi-main event, which was Roman Reigns and Rusev. I, um, listen, it, it's okay. I think if we skip this, just because I, I didn't understand what happened. They, they didn't even have a match. Nope. And they already had given the match away on the Raw. Yes, before the SummerSlam, huge three segment match that lasted thirty minutes. So that's Why? they didn't have a match. So Roman now uh, just just beat the crap out of Rusev, and that's all that was. So was that supposed to be the come down after the championship matches, or was that supposed to get the ge- uh, crowd geared back up for what we were about to see, which was the actual main event on the card, which I found out just that day, um, and we do find out why. Uh, Brock Lesnar and, and Randy Orton. Um, so this is a fight. 
straight out, straight out fight. Lasts about 10, 12 minutes. Um, some big bumps. And then uh, Brock Lesnar intentionally taking the point of his elbow and shoving it into Randy Orton's head to bust him open. They were trying to get some color. They got way too much. Um, I, um, so to bring back like the, the legit feeling, the, the, the violent kind of fight, the, the attitude edge, I think that was their point to get across here. I personally didn't care for this match. Um, number one, I, I didn't care for the buildup, which was essentially absent. Um, number number two, it, I, you know, I, I'm kind of understanding what Dean Ambrose is saying about, you know, when he had his match with Brock Lesnar and on a podcast with Austin, which was a terrible podcast, by the way. Yes, it was. <laughs> they just had no chemistry whatsoever. Nope. Um, it, it got kind of awkward at moments. So, anyway, but... You know, one of the things Ambrose said was that he was met with laziness by Brock, mm-hmm. right? And I kind of feel like that's becoming the, you know, the 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 pattern with Lesnar matches that I have down here written. Do you think this whole Brock Lesnar stick is getting old? The I come in and I just suplex people and that's it. Like, I mean, we, we started this about two years ago now. So we've been two years of running this same old, Oh my gosh, who's going to fight Brock Lesnar and go to Suplex City? Is it getting old? Because for me, I, I'm kind of like, all right, I think I want to see an actual match now or see somebody actually put up a challenge to Brock. How long is this going to just keep going with the same old, like, oh, he just dominates everybody? I agree with you. It's going to get old. Um, but then in between this uh, Suplex City and all that, Brock actually puts on a good match here and there. For example, um, Brock Undertaker. Not. WrestleMania, but Brock Undertaker, Hell in a Cell. That was good, yeah. See, Brock, uh, it wasn't just Suplex City, and Taker can hold his own, went to the limit. And this is what we were talking about Samoa Joe earlier. There's not a lot of viable opponents in WWE because WWE doesn't have this monster style anymore. WWE is catering to more of the middleweights, cruiserweights, the the, the slower style. So you can't put somebody in there um, like that against Lesnar. He's just going to get killed. Um, So Randy Orton... I get the marquee value. I get the buildup that they tried to do. Um, and I understand why they had to end it the way they did because they had to put some shock value in there. Um, will there be a rematch between Randy Orton and Lesnar? Maybe. Will there now be a match between Shane McMahon and Lesnar? I hope not. Oh. Um, because, I, and I understand why they did Shane and Taker at WrestleMania, and Shane can take a bunch of bumps, but there is no legitimate, absolute way in any kind of contest that Shane McMahon's even going to hold a candle. Maybe he'll take a big bump and F5 off of the ceiling or something. I don't know. But um, I don't, I don't want to see that. What I do want to see is them bring up these legitimate competitors. I want to see Kevin Owens going against Brock Lesnar. I want to see Samoa Joe going against Brock Lesnar. These bigger framed guys that can actually physically hold up a fight and that they can actually give Lesnar some work to do. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I don't want to see Shane. I actually didn't, I didn't even, it, it didn't even make me bat an eye when Shane took the F5. It was just like, okay, like it didn't make me think like, oh my gosh, Brock Lesnar just F5 Shane McMahon. It's like, okay. You heard the crowd calling for Goldberg? What did you uh-huh. think? Did you think Goldberg was going to come out, man? Not right there. Okay. He, I don't All think right. he was there that night. But, yeah. I mean, with the whole setup with this video game and the whole, uh, you know, they're giving little bits and pieces away that if it did happen, it could be hinted at happening. Goldberg, not as big physically as he used to be, but he's still a big dominating presence, and I would love to see that too. Um, could he hold a candle in the ring against Lesnar? Probably not at this point. Um, but... 
he is in, uh, you know, Goldberg is in shape, you know, he's training, he does kickboxing, Muay Thai, um, all that kind of stuff, he still hits independence every now and again, so to see the marquee value of that matchup, I wouldn't mind that at all. Now, the last time that they actually had a match, they stunk the joint up. What makes you think this would be any different? Why do we want to see this, especially considering Goldberg's age now? That's exactly why we would want to see it, because of what happened at WrestleMania 20. So, so redeem themselves. Redeem themselves. Okay. So that's where they play it up. Like, when we did this, you know, X amount of years ago, you know, we didn't. None of, nobody got the result that they wanted. Um, so, and I would love to also see, see Austin bring in as the special guest referee again for this one. Not only because of the marquee value, but he can also save it if the... If the match goes down. Right. But I, that's what I want to see. We, I don't want to see them circling each other, trying to lock up for 20 minutes. That's not what this is about. This is about power move against power move against power move. And it's it's a way for Goldberg to go out. I You know, Goldberg went over last time. Ain't no way. Excuse me. Ain't no way Goldberg getting over this time. But I think that's a viable opponent for Lesnar in his contract. Um, so there's not many people left at this point for him to face. And I don't want to just see, like you said, random people just going in against Lesnar and just getting, sh- just getting basically shut out. Yeah, just just rolled over. So, did you hear about the backstage uh, fight that happened between Lesnar and Chris Jericho after? I did not. Okay, so talk let about me, that. Let me explain it. So after the match, apparently Chris Jericho was backstage and he was concerned that Lesnar started shooting on Orton when he opened him up. So he was asking people. He started off with I think P.S. Michael Hayes. Nobody would answer him and let him know what was going on. Mm-hmm. So, matches over, Brock's coming back, and he hears Jericho say, that is BS, right? So, Brock assumes that Jericho's talking about the match, like saying, calling the match BS. So, Brock tells him, you know, mind his business, whatever. Jericho kind of, like, gets in his face. Apparently, you know, Brock kind of pushes him. Jericho gets back in his face. You know, Brock says some stuff to him, like, uh, I-, I think he said, like, uh, you're going to either punch me or kiss me, B-I-T-T, you know. So, Brock was talking smack. Triple H had to get in, break it up. I mean, you know, apparently, like, everybody in gorilla position had to break them two apart. Hmm. Yeah, it got pretty serious. Vince ended up having to come out and, like, grab Brock and bring him away. And he yelled at Jericho and was like, you know, oh, it's a work. And what's wrong with you? And, you know, Jericho was yelling. So, it, it was really intense, apparently, backstage. But wow. apparently, everybody was giving Jericho props because, hey, like, not many people going to stand up to Brock. You know what I mean? And Jericho wasn't backing down from, from Lesnar. So, um, you know, but he was just really concerned that, you know, Orton was really getting hurt. So, is that mainstream Lesnar. information? That's out there. Because I, I must have missed that. Yeah, that's out there. So, what if they take, and that's what they're doing in this reality-based era. What if they take that reality and they actually have Chris Jericho come out on a highlight reel or something like that and start shooting on Lesnar? Hey, that, hey, that would be Wouldn't awesome. that be interesting? That would be an interesting segment because people... A lot of people would already know about this, so for them to have that, hey, that's great. Hey, that's good booking that's right there. That's good booking. <laughs> Use the reality. Just yeah. sit them all down in a room with Vince and Triple H and talk about the creatives. Like, like we're going to take this and use this to our advantage. Um, you know, because they're entertainers. At the end of the day, that's what they both do. Um, Jericho's in, in decent enough shape to hang with Lesnar for a few minutes. Jericho does not win, of course. But uh, I think that's a good segue into whatever Brett, Brock Lesnar does next. Yeah. Dude, so you, I'm okay with that. Uh, you got to tell me. So they decided that, I guess, using blades to get color is a little too barbaric. So they use a professional MMA's elbows to the head. 
That's that's the better substitute. That man? was a little bit more dangerous. I mean, it was a little bit more realistic, but it was a little bit more dangerous because you know, of course, Brock's you know three hundred pounds when he throws that point of the elbow. That's what they try to do in MMA and legitimately try to open people up. You know, to hit that top of the head. But I mean, it wasn't just a couple of scrapes that Orton got. He had to get like several staples in his head. Um, and then he came out and you know on SmackDown Live the next week and he actually competed, but. Still, yeah, I don't know what's, uh, is that a little safer? I mean, the razor blades, it's a little bit, uh, I don't know, one way or another, getting color is a faux pas, it's forbidden, you know what I'm saying? But this was a little bit the right time, the right way, a little bit too much color, but hey, it added to the legitimacy of what's going to happen down the road, possibly. Yeah. I mean, I, I, it still I, keeps this MMA thing, because, you know, talking about the, the, the kick, um, you know, just a UFC mentality or whatever. So it keeps kind of that door open between those two guys, even though they've had this wellness policy and all kinds of other stuff broken. Right. Yeah. I mean, you're absolutely right. So overall, what would you say for the SmackDown? Did, did you like it? Did you enjoy it? SmackDown? Oh, crap. I meant SummerSlam. Hey, that's all right. We're talking about SmackDown. <laughs> yeah. That's all right. Because we're going we're gonna to take a short break here in a minute. We're going to come back and just kind of wrap up this show. We're going to talk about SmackDown and Raw a little bit in a little bit. All right. So SummerSlam. Um, if I have to give it a grade overall, um, just because of the length of the show and because the roller coaster of the ride that kind of took the crowd out of it after the uh, Cena um, AJ match, I'm gonna give it a B. Um, it's a solid B, no B, no B, no B plus, no A minus. I'm gonna give it a B because I mean it did what it needed to do. Um, a lot of people got a lot of exposure. Um, it was a big deal. Barclays Center, they're doing it almost every year now. So I give it a B. How about you? Um, I'm going to give it a C. Uh, for me, it was average. It was a lot of moments where I was in the show, a lot of moments where I kind of got taken out of the show. Could have been the length of it. Uh, I wasn't pleased with the final match with the Orton and, and Brock thing. It, it kind of just fell apart when Orton started bleeding too much. That's when you just kind of knew things started breaking down. The whole Shane coming out, getting F5, I was like, eh, okay. So, I'm going to give it a C. It was an average pay-per-view for me. Um, I look forward to the new pay-per-views with the brand splits and see how they how they work those. And they're coming up soon. we got Backlash for SmackDown Live, and we have the Clash of Champions now, which is a name stolen from the old WCW era, and that's for Raw. And we're going to talk about that a little bit. Um, thank you for hanging with us here. Um, we're going to come back and wrap this thing up with a little bit more on the Dirty Ugly Wrestling Podcast. What's going on, peeps? This is Big Ugly from the Dirty Ugly Wrestling Podcast, and we want to thank you guys for listening. We also want to tell you guys to email us at dirtyuglywrestling at gmail.com. Please follow us and like us on SoundCloud, Dirty Ugly Wrestling, and on Facebook, like the page. Please stay tuned for more ways to listen to the Dirty Ugly Wrestling Podcast, and we thank you guys for staying with it. All right, so we're back on the Dirty Ugly Wrestling Podcast, and we're about to wrap this uh, segment up here. That's right, and uh, we're going to talk. Man, we about, talked about a lot, man. We sure did, and uh, whether it was tangents or whether we got our notes here, which is cool, um, this is why I love doing this. You know, we, we love talking wrestling. We love it when uh, people are out there talking wrestling with us and talking whatever, you know. Um, so we appreciate it, so check us out. Like us, comment, email, all that good stuff. So coming up, we were talking about this. Coming up in the near future, we got Backlash for the SmackDown Live. We got the Clash of Champions. For uh, Monday Night Raw, which was, uh, again, stolen from the old WCW days. Um, we've got NXT uh, coming up actually live in the Baltimore area at the Aberdeen Proving Grounds um, Federal Credit Union Arena in October, which is cool. NXT nice. live event, first time uh, around here, which is nice. Um, 
And then we've got, uh, you know, Kevin Owens going to be defending the Universal title uh, coming up against some people. we got uh, AJ Styles going up against Dolph Ziggler for the SmackDown Live Championship. We're going to crown new SmackDown Live Tag Team Champions and new SmackDown Women's Champion coming up at Backlash. That's an awesome concept. I love that they went with the Tag Team Women's Champions. I like that. Uh, the tag, well, they got the tag and they got the women, but uh, they haven't talked about the tag women. But they're going to look into that because they have a lot of women on that roster. So, oh I wait, know. it's not the tag women? No, it's the oh, tag God, and the women. When was I reading? I thought it was a tag team for women, but oh, that would be cool a, though. It's a tag championship for men, but yep. then. A, a separate women's championship. Mm-hmm. I got it. Okay, I had everything confused. That's all right. Uh, well, they got a lot of belts now going back and forth, so it, that can be confusing. Speaking of tag teams, bro, bro, can I ask you this? Bro, yeah. <laughs> What's up? So, what do you think about uh, the club and them kind of turning them into a comedy gimmick? And we're getting out of here right after this. I just got to know. Uh, honestly, I, I kind of like it for one or two backstage segments, but it's it's dragging out too long because they are fantastic workers. They're big dudes. Um, they should be in the ring, dominating presence, tag team. Um, but kind of what happened with the Ascension when they brought them up from NXT. Uh, they were this dominating force, and then they give them this gimmick, which was supposed to be like ripping off the Legion of Doom, ripping off Demolition, and it died. So I don't want this to happen to Gallows and Anderson. Because they're great. Um, it's great that they came over with the package from uh, New Japan. Um, but, I, I mean, I like it for a little bit of comedy backstage, but I don't like them dragging it out like they're doing. Right, yeah. I mean, I agree. I kind of wish they stayed with AJ just a little bit longer. Bro, can I ask you one more <laughs> Bro. thing? Um, Carmella, this is my opinion of her. Number one, either she wasn't ready to come up from NXT, or number two, they should have put her with Big Cass and Enzo to get her over. She does the same gimmick. As they do, but she's by herself, yep. and she wasn't super over yet. And they brought her up, and she's still not super over. And I just didn't understand why they didn't stick her with them on Raw to get her over, man. I don't know if the idea was to bring her up uh, gradually and then do what they're doing with her now, which is actually turning her heel. Um, they have her attacking Nikki Bella, who has come back after her injury, which is pretty cool. Um, so I don't know if this is a way to get Nikki Bella back in or a way to get Carmella over as a heel. Um, but uh, hopefully it'll work out for her. But yeah, if they would have left her, I don't know if they would have left her with Cass and Enzo, if that would have just kind of made her stale. Or if they brought her up too early. She'd been in NXT for two, three years. Yeah, and so, I mean, you don't have to leave her with them, but to get her over on the main roster, I guess is my thing, you know. Uh, you know, because after a while they went up and she had to kind of fend for herself down to NXT, you know, just to, just so that the main roster audience, you know, can, you know, get used to her. And it just gives her a bit of that legitimacy, putting in with a team that's so over when her gimmick is pretty much embedded in what theirs is. So True. We'll see what happens with the heel turn. Let's see if it uh, works out for her in the next couple of weeks. She's going to be a mid-carder. Uh, you know, she's going to be... You know, a, a good hand in the ring. So, she, I don't know if she'll ever be that big main event woman like Charlotte uh, or Becky nah, or Sasha. Nah, nah. But uh, she's got a place, I think. She, she, she's up, so that's good for her. Um, you know, we got the Cruiserweight Classic wrapping up here in a couple of weeks. And then that, that's been phenomenal. And then the Cruiserweights are going to come up to Monday Night Raw, which is going to be cool um, to see a lot of those guys. We got uh, TNA Impact on Pop. I'm going to say that every time. Pop TV. Um, there's some some interesting things going on down there um, with the broken Matt Hardy, which is pretty cool, and Brother Nero also being broken now with him. Eli Drake. Dummy. Yeah. Um, that's pretty cool. 
Lashley's being like all the champions and getting all the main events, and EC3 still there. The Miracle Mike Bennett and Maria Kanellis, who is who are married, um, they're playing a big role down there. Aaron Rex, which is Damian Sandow, uh, um, is now in there. So we'll see what happens. I just listened to a podcast with him, actually. Uh, he was talking to Jericho shortly after he got released from WWE. So uh, he's very talented, very good in the ring. Um, so we got a lot of good stuff coming up. Uh, and uh, also, we have uh, more EWA Pro Wrestling. Uh, we'll have more guests uh, in the upcoming future. A lot of people want to be on this podcast. You know, as I was getting around that free show, um, a lot of people want to be on the podcast. So we're going to get that up, too. Absolutely. So, um, what else you got here before we uh, wrap this thing up? Man, we need to wrap this thing up uh, right off into the sunset. <laughs> and uh, I guess we'll be back soon in a couple weeks, man. Yes, we talk will. more wrestling. We will be back in a couple of weeks and talk all will this we be stuff back coming up. For backlash, or will this be after or before? Backlash is this upcoming Sunday on the 11th, so uh, we might not be back that quickly. But we'll yeah. be back in between backlash and Clash of Champions, or shortly thereafter. And we'll talk about that. I know Apollo Crews wants to come back on. He wants to visit the mansion, and he wants to bring cheesesteaks to us. Um, hey, so he wants to talk about wrestling. many times. I know, man. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, and um, we've got a lot more stuff coming up on the Dirty Ugly Wrestling. Thank you for listening. Thank you for commenting, emailing, and YouTube. This is going to be up on YouTube. So we're going to share that as well. But SoundCloud, don't forget SoundCloud. That's our bread and butter. And follow us on SoundCloud. Hit that like button. Mash it. Please. All right. So thanks for listening. We'll take it out. Three, two, one. Deuces. Deuces.